All right, folks, this is it. Our summer series is here. Our Psalm Song series is here. We've been doing this for several years. If you're new and you don't know what in the world we're doing, let me tell you. Um, we will be starting each service or each message with a usually a secular song that will be tied in some way to the psalm that's going to be part of that message. And believe me, every time you hear that song later on, you will connect it to the message that you heard. So um, you're welcome to stay in your seats. You're welcome to sing along if you know it.
listen, if this is your first time with us, um, for the first nine years of our existence as a church, we're going to be 11 years old this year, but for the first nine years, every summer we would do this series we called Psalm Songs or Song Psalms, depending on who is up here doing announcements. Um, and so um, what happens is we're looking to say, hey, let's take this song that we all can kind of, you know, car dance to when we're going down the road, and let's take this psalm and let's see if we can connect these two psalms. And just for the record, in light of um, what's going on in the world today, I wanted to start with Bruce Springsteen, No Retreat, No Surrender. And I'm not going to lie, there's a couple of people in my life that don't know that. And they're like, what? What is that? I've never heard that. It's like, oh, I have failed you miserably. I have failed you miserably. It is on the Bruce Springsteen Born in the USA album um, that I wore out as a child. But it's crazy because we still have people in our church today that will say, you know, the first Sunday that we came, you were doing that Psalm Psalm thing and you sang this. It was me and Bobby McGee or it was, uh, you know, uh, um, something from Miami Vice or something. They say, every time I hear that song in the car, I go back to this psalm that you were speaking about. It's like, boom, that's what we're after. And so let me see if I can connect you with the no retreat, no surrender. We are the church, and we will not sit down and be quiet. We will keep moving forward. I say that because there is a lot going on in our world today. There is a lot, okay? And uh, this is a place for us to step up. Here's the deal. We are the church. The world should look to the church to say, how shall we treat people? That's what should happen, okay? The church should not be the people giving the law enforcement people grief, okay? So we are here to support those of you that are here to protect and save, and we are here to say, I don't care what color you are, when you come into the kingdom of God, you are part of the kingdom of God. There is no place for racism in the church. There is no place for being ugly in the church. There is just no place for it. And so we need to stand together as a community, and every time we walk outside of this building, we gather together because we need to be in the presence of God. We gather together because we need to lift up our voices to God. But Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hid, and it's time for us to not be hid. No retreat, no surrender. We don't have to be ugly. The difference here is we've got to understand that the truth is not a hammer or a club that the church has been given to beat people with. It is simply the truth. This is the truth. You know when the Holy Spirit was poured out, last Sunday was Pentecost Sunday, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, he was poured out on the 10 known nations of the world in and around the Mediterranean theater. They were, there was 10 people, were, uh, 10 people, groups were together, and they all received the Holy Spirit equally, and nobody checked their, their DNA at the door. The Holy Spirit fell on them, men and women and people, and they list 10 nations right there that fast. And we need to be a people group that go out and do that exact same thing. How are we making people's lives easier and better? How are we doing that? And I'm going to tell you as the pastor of the church, the people that call to protect and serve and the people that have been oppressed of all colors, we are here to support and love people. 
and we're going to do that. No retreat, no surrender. We're going to read a story, or excuse me, we're going to read a psalm from Psalm 73. If you want to pull out your, your weapon of spiritual mass destruction, okay, there's a lot of spiritual warfare can take place through this thing if you will read it and apply it to your life. You know that if this is your home church, every time you come in here, it's going to show up up there anyway, but I'm going to challenge, encourage, and try to inspire you that sometime during the week, open the pages of this thing. If you're in here right now, pull out your iPhone or your iPad, or if you brought your whole iMac computer and you want to set up a station right there, knock yourself out. But just open up to you version. We're going to go to Psalm 73. We're talking about we're not going to retreat. We're not going to quit. We're going to stay at it. But let's admit this. Sometimes we don't want to stay at it, do we? Let's just, we're human beings. Sometimes we don't want to stay at it. And this guy that's writing this psalm, it's not King David. It's Asaph, a guy named Asaph. And he's writing this psalm, and he basically starts the psalm by saying, I'm sick and tired of staying at it. I don't get any benefit from it, from chasing after God. There's no benefit. Look at what it says right here. We're going to read um, Psalm 73, beginning at verse 21, and then we're going to go back and we're going to look at some of the things that he says and how does that apply to you and I as human beings trying to make sense out of the world we live in and trying to be the church. Beginning at verse 21, it says, When my heart was grieved and my spirit was embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. So he's just telling God, this is, this is how it all unfolds when I get lost in myself. Yet... I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will take me into your glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And on earth but I has not, excuse me, and earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And that's the passage that we're looking at today. And we're going to launch into this thing. So maybe you do or maybe you don't understand. But just a real quick lesson. Asaph was a prominent Levite singer and a seer, a prophet in um, David's court. And he was one of the sons of Berechiah of the tribe of Levi. So he was on the worship team. Asaph was on the worship team. He was a prominent figure on the worship team of David back during temple worship. He is the ancestors of, you'll see other psalms written by the sons of Asaph, um, one of the great family guilds of the temple worship. Asaph is figured prominently in the book of Chronicles. He is described as a chief of the Levites appointed to minister before the ark of the Lord, and he and his brothers are appointed to sing, over the, uh, sing the songs of thanksgiving to the Lord. So we've got this guy who's writing this psalm, and he begins by acknowledging at the very, very, very beginning, he says, surely God is good to Israel and good to those who are pure in heart. God is good to people that are good. God is bad to people that is bad. Do, do you know that for some reason we just get that in our hearts, don't we? If I be good, God should be good to me, and if I'm bad, then he's going to just wreak um, uh, punishment on me. For some reason, that's the theology we, that, that we, we live by. I had a person come into my office this week, and they said, hey, um, you know, this is going on in my life. I'm trying to get things together, and I love, great conversation. It was awesome. But I asked him a question I'm going to ask you today, right now. I'm just going to ask you. I want you to answer it real fast, okay? Not out loud, because I can't hear all the voices at the same time. But, okay, just let me just ask you this question. You out there, you're watching us. You know we're live streaming today. It's like, hey, all those people around the world that were watching us the whole 12 weeks, that you know, they're there. They're in that little camera right there. Um, but anyway, here's the question. So if you do die today, and you're standing in front of God, and you know you got baptized and all that stuff, okay, you're standing in front of God, why is he going to let you in? Why, why are you going to heaven? How did you answer that real quick? 
If you answered it by saying, well, and, and this is what most people will do, whether it's practically or theologically, okay, they'll say, well, I try to be good, I try to do this, and I try to, you know that that's works theology, right? I'm earning my own way to heaven, and, and you will not get to heaven like that. You won't. I'm not saying God hates you and he's mad at you he's going to send you to hell. All I'm telling you is you can't get to heaven on your own because there's no chance in all of your life that you could do enough good to, to offset the bad. You know, you, you've lied too much, you've, you've, you've been jealous too much, you've been covetous too much, you've, uh, too much you've, been, you've wanted too much, you've, you've been greedy too much. We just, we're just, even when it's just little tiny things, we're too bad. You know, there's no, there's no one good. No, not one. Only God. See? And so we go through this thing, but we have a works um, mentality that says, if I just be good, God will love me. And that's what this guy's saying. He's saying right here, surely good, God is good to Israel and to those that are pure in heart. Now, you and I live inside of Jesus Christ, and with Jesus Christ, there's a transformation, and we need to live by grace. It's a free gift. You get to go to heaven because of what Jesus did, not because of what you did. However, what Jesus did should transform you. It should change your life. It should have you continually changing your life. You should be working at being transformed by the renew of your mind, and the Holy Spirit is going to continue to walk you through um, holiness where we come from glory to glory to glory, okay? So we, we need to recognize that. But this guy says, but as for me, my feet had almost slipped. So we've got this picture of this guy that took his eyes off of God. You ever been there? Or you're in the middle of something, and you're like, ah, so what? God doesn't care. He doesn't love me. He's not watching me. And we begin to take our eyes off of God. And it's okay to do some of the things that we know that it is not okay to do. And this guy is admitting, I almost lost my religion. You ever said that out loud? You're making me lose my religion, okay? Well, oftentimes, parents will say that to kids. I'm, gonna, I'm about to lose my religion, okay? We say this like, that means it's a good time to be quiet. Don't make words with your mouth, okay? Be quiet. Um, but that's what this, this author is saying. He says, I'm about to lose my religion. He takes his eyes off of God, and he begins to put them on the circumstances around him. And the circumstances around him are like, well, the sinners have got it better than me. They're getting wealthy, wealthy, wealthy. And look at me, would you? My life is just absolutely miserable. Listen to what he said. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Those evil, nasty drunkards are over there, and every time they go to work, they make more millions. But not me. Man, I'm struggling over here, and God doesn't care. And that's what this psalm is all about. And he gets to the place where he says, I will not retreat, and I will not surrender. And, and you'll see how it unfolds. He envied the arrogant when he saw the prosperity of the wicked. Have you ever been there? I, listen, I have been there. I have been there a couple of times over. I'm not going to lie to you. The Lord and I had a conversation over the last 12 weeks because I have let the circumstances distract me a, a little bit from my calling. I have lived in anger. I have lived in, um, you better get off safe book land, okay? I've lived in that land. Um, I have lived in, I'm, I'm just going to tick everybody off. I have, it's like, I'm going to get emails if I say that. I'm going to get emails if I say that. I'm going to get emails if I don't say anything. I'm going to need to say something. And it's just like, oh my word. And I've been in that place where it's like, you know what? Lord, I'm just going to say it this way. I want to sell cars. I just told the Lord, I'm done. I'm done. I just want to sell cars, Lord. Can you just let me sell cars? See, I was retreating. It's like, Lord, I've had enough. I'm looking around, and it's like, for crying out loud, I'm, I just want to sell cars. That's all. I like cars. I like cars a lot. 
I just want to sell cars. And the Lord said, he was really clear, he said, no. <laughs> and I wanted to say, could you be more clear? But that was a little sarcastic. And I didn't know what God does with my sarcasm sometimes when it's directed at him. So I just shut up and said, okay, I get it. But the point of the matter is, I've been at that place where I nearly lost my foothold. Okay? Psalm 73, 2 and 3. But as for me, this is what Asaph says, but as for me, my feet almost slipped. I nearly lost my foothold. I envied the arrogant. I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And, and, and I just got to that place where it's like, man, look what's going on, God. It's not getting better. And I know it's not getting better. And it's, listen, I love you. It's not going to get better. Matthew 24 and 25 says it's going to continue to spiral out of control. And so why am I taking my eyes off of what's going on and, and putting them on the circumstances instead of the mission? And even I as the pastor do that. You ever lost your foothold? You ever been somewhere on a boat or something, you lost your foothold? Wham! Split your head open or something like that. As a little kid, my dad was stationed in Spain, and we lived off base in the, what's called the economy. And um, um, it was great. Um, we lived on a tour of Soria, and, and it was all like that. And as a 7-year-old, 8-year-old little kid, I just ran the streets. I, mean, I couldn't speak a lick of Spanish, but I just ran the streets. And there was this one big field. That, in my head right now, it's about two acres. It was probably, you know, about, you know, I don't know, a quarter of an acre in all reality. But it was about two acres. And it was an old bullfighting holding pen for bulls but it had grown up and there was weeds and dead cats literally dead cats I can still smell them today when I talk about it there was dead cats and and there was garbage and there was broken bottles everywhere and I was walking along the top of it, it was a brick it's a brick wall literally that encompassed this whole field and I was walking around the top of it as a little kid and I lost my foothold I lost my footing and I, I started to go down, and, and I could, all I could think of was, I'm going to fall on all that glass. And then somebody reached over and hit my feet as they went by, and they flipped over. And I actually landed on my feet and then fell over, and I got a little cut up and scraped up, but I was okay. I lost my foothold. You ever been there? Okay, that's not what Asaph is talking about. Okay? He's talking about giving up on God. Have you ever been there? Where you just said, Lord, I just don't understand what I've done wrong. I don't understand why things don't go right for me. I just want to throw up my hands and I want to say, no. Or there's so much pressure coming down on me that I deny Christ in the middle of the situation rather than proclaim Christ. See, that was Peter's deal, right? If you're familiar with what it means to take your eyes off the Lord and put them on your circumstance, Peter gets out of the boat. He's walking toward Jesus. Things are going great. He gets to talk about walking on the water, and all of a sudden he takes his eyes off Jesus, puts them on the circumstances, which is that he's walking on the water, and as soon as he does that, he begins to sink. We do that, don't we? We go through life and we take our eyes off the fact that we're only here for a short time. It feels like a long time because it's 75 years, but 300 years into eternity in heaven, it's going to feel this big. It's going to be worth it. Stay in the course. No retreat. No surrender. Keep being the light. Push back against the darkness. Love people. Reach out to your enemy. Whatever it is, that's what we need to do. But that was Peter. I just want to tell you this. When circumstances become your focus, drowning becomes your reward. Can you say that? When circumstances become your focus, drowning in all of your problems in your mess will become your reward. You've got to stay focused on Jesus. Even in the midst of all the anxiety, in the midst of all of the pain, in the midst of all of the struggle, staying focused on Jesus means you need to die. 
Stop doing it your way. Your way is not the best way. God's is. But see, Peter had a pattern of losing his foothold, didn't he? Because when Jesus was arrested, on the night Jesus was arrested, he followed Jesus into Herod's palace. And he follows him in there, and that little girl from, uh, that was over there where the fire um, the barrel was said, hey, you sound like you're from Galilee. You've got that little twang from, you know, Perry County. You know, I think, I think you're from Kentucky. And Peter said, no, woman, I was never with that man. And it goes on and on and on, just like Jesus prophesied. Before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter did it, and then he ran out into night. He lost his foothold. See? What does it take for you to lose your foothold? Bad financial decisions? Broken relationship? Loneliness? Loneliness is a big one that will cause people to lose their foothold. It is. Nobody thinks about me. Nobody loves me. Nobody calls. Nobody cares. I'm all alone. It's a big one. We need to pay attention to single people in our midst because we need to love them. We do. We need to take care of them. But at the same time, if we're single, we need to stop and say, whoa, 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 the devil's going to use that. He's going to scratch that spot in my heart. And I'm going to say, then what the heck? You know how I see that is because a lot of people will give up and they'll just go move in together or, you know, um, all kinds of things begin to happen. And it's like, come on, don't give up. No retreat, no surrender. When circumstances become your focus, drowning becomes your reward. Peter went out into the night. When circumstances become your, fo your focus, darkness becomes your destination. See, take our eyes off of Jesus and our reward is drowning. Take our eyes off of Jesus like Peter did. Our destination is darkness. Here's the joy, though. Um, Peter, I mean, Jesus told Peter, he said, listen, Satan wants to sift you like um, wheat. And I'm just telling you right now, you're going to go through all kinds of difficult and horrible things. And when it all comes down to it, I'm going to restore you. And when you're restored, I want you to encourage the brothers. Jesus is there for you. You have not sinned beyond Jesus' ability to wrap his arms around you and give you forgiveness and welcome you back in. You are not lost to the kingdom of God, especially if you're concerned about it. But remember, when circumstances become our focus, drowning becomes our reward, and darkness becomes our destination. And like I said, thankfully, the psalmist will go on to say, I nearly lost my foothold. I didn't lose it. I nearly lost it. He's not dead. He's only a little bit dead, if you're familiar with Princess Bride, okay? Just a little bit dry, uh, dead, okay? And then the psalmist says in Psalm, uh, Psalm 73, verse 13, surely in vain. That's kind of a, uh, uh, just kind of a depressed personality. That's a defeatist personality. Surely in vain I've kept my heart pure. I've washed my hands in innocence all day long. I've been afflicted, and every morning brings new punishment. I did the right thing. I didn't party. I didn't drink. I didn't sleep around. I was good, Lord. And it was all for nothing. It didn't sound like it was going to happen. It didn't go the way I wanted it to. But it sounds a lot like the older brother from the prodigal son, doesn't it? Younger brother goes off, lives his life. Older brother stays home, works the field, takes care of the sheep, takes care of dad, keeps the house clean, keeps watching the brother out there. He's partying like a rock star. How come I don't get to do that? And then the brother comes home and dad throws another party for him and the brother just has had enough. How come I have kept my heart pure and you didn't do that for me, dad? How come you didn't do that for me? How come I didn't get this? How come I didn't get the raise? I didn't get the promotion. I didn't get the girlfriend. I didn't get the boyfriend. I didn't get the education. How come everybody else gets it but me, God? 
God, how come I work my tail? See, works mentality of salvation. The, the brother had everything he wanted. His dad was just waiting for him to ask to kill a goat or a, or a bullock and have a party. He could have done that. He was just responsible and wouldn't do that. This is the voice of somebody with their eyes on the circumstances instead of on the mission. When your eyes are on the mission and you're in the midst of a difficult circumstance, you're looking for God. You're saying, Lord, what do you want me to do here? But then here comes the devil saying, did God really say that? You know, Samuel says obedience, obedience is better than sacrifice and to obey is better than the fat of rams. It's more important that we are obedient to God than that we go through all the laws in the book of Leviticus and keep them. That's what he's saying to Jewish people. Be obedient. Change your focus. You change your focus to God and things begin to get lighter. You change your focus to your circumstances and you begin to develop this you know, kind of heart of futility and discontent that's not holy. Next thing Asaph says in uh, verses 16 and 17 is, then I understood, and I love this one. When I tried to understand all of this, why good people got garbage and why the bad, evil people got all the good stuff and all the money and got better and better. When I tried to understand this, it troubled me deeply until I entered the sanctuary of God then I fully understood their final destiny. And so we've got this idea that I wrestled and I wrestled and I wrestled and I wrestled and it didn't make any sense until I came into the worship center. Those of you that have come in here when we weren't worried about social distancing and things like that, okay, and we were hugging each other and giving each other coffee and donuts and all that good stuff. Have you ever had that experience when you came into this worship center and you sat down and halfway through the third song, for whatever reason, you don't understand it, but you started crying? You started crying. Or you're in the second song and for whatever reason, suddenly you're zeroed in on God and it raises this emotion up inside of you and you're like, what is going on in here? You know, I, I feel like a baby. That's the Holy Spirit inside of you. He's doing a work. He's moving you. See, there's something about that, that futility mentality that says, why did I do this? And then you come in and you have that glimpse of an experience with God and you say, that's it. That's the reason. It's amazing. I need to do this. I've had a couple of those experiences this week. It was absolutely wonderful. I didn't get to attend the protest yesterday because um, <clears throat> um, this guy that I met three years ago online He's a falconer, I'm a falconer, we hunt with hawks, I don't anymore, but um, we got to know each other, and, and he's a black man, and he lives over toward Lawrenceburg somewhere, and, and we just got to talking back and forth, and we just kept saying for three years, hey, we ought to get together, hey, we ought to get together, hey, we ought to get together. All of a sudden, we said, okay, let's get together this Saturday, and, and that two weeks go by, and oh, wait a minute, there's something going on in Richmond that I really would have liked to have at least attended and watched but I got to spend the whole afternoon with him interacting. And it was just like God walked into my door and sat down at my table, and it was the most wonderful thing. I got a glimpse again of another pastor friend that I'd been in touch with for a long time. And I finally got to meet him, and it was like, that's why I'm not getting to do something else. That's not why I'm not getting to, you know, just focus on being the you know, captain of my industry. It's like, because the Lord said, this is what I want you to do. Other people are supposed to be the captains of their industry. 
but you're supposed to be here, and it was absolutely wonderful. There just comes that time when I've been looking at the coronavirus, and, and I, I admit maybe I've embarrassed some of you online. I apologize for that almost, but I'm trying to apologize. I mean, I want, I'm, I'm trying to want to apologize. I really am, okay? I'm just really struggling. I care about your safety. I'm, I just, I'm trying to confess, okay? I'm trying to confess, okay? And so um, I'm just asking your forgiveness for that, but I, I'm wrestling with it. I'm wrestling with it. I'm wrestling with it, and then I'm wrestling with the whole racial thing, and I'm wrestling with it, I'm wrestling with it, and it's giving me brain freeze. You know what brain freeze is? I, I just, I just, I sit down and I don't know which way to turn. I don't know where to turn. You know, it's the middle of the summer, it's 98 degrees outside, you pull into the big 7-Eleven, you go in there, you get the 64-ounce, you know, big cherry gulp, and you begin sucking on that straw, and you're like, man, that little sweet sugary thing is, is just doing dances on your tongue, and you're like, man, this feels great, and then you swallow hard, and as soon as you swallow hard, you're like, oh, man, of course, everybody's like, are you okay? Are you having a heart attack? It's like, no. Are you having a stroke? You know, you're older now. And it's like, no, I'm having brain freeze. And they're like, oh, whatever. And it's like, it hurts. What do you mean, whatever? It hurts. You know, and then we all have our tricks, right? <laughs> Breathe hard on the back of your throat. <laughs> you know, don't unfreeze those things. We all do crazy things, but it's brain freeze. And that's what it has felt like until you walk into the, we're all together again today. And the Lord's saying, look, I got this thing. Not only we are all together, but people all over are watching us and we're live streaming and it's a wonderful opportunity. And God says, you don't know what I'm doing. You don't know what I'm doing. It's like standing in a forest wondering if you're getting close to the edge finally and, and you turn around and go the other way. And you were just a couple of hundred yards out and God was saying, no, keep going. You're almost out of the woods. But we can't see the big picture. God can. He's trying to bring us home. And suddenly he just gives us a little glimpse of what it means. And that's what the psalmist says when he said, and then I entered the sanctuary of God and I understood. It made sense. It captured my heart again. I got to, you know, be online and, and sit and talk to somebody and pray over somebody. And it was like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is my calling. It's what happened to, king, or to Isaiah, uh, the prophet Isaiah, when he came to King Uzziah in Isaiah 6. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I, the Lord, saw, uh, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on the throne, and the train, train, train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, for I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew with me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And with it he touched my mouth, and he said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for me? And I said, Here am I. Send me. He got a glimpse of heaven, and suddenly it was worth it. Stay true. No retreat, no, no surrender. When we come together to worship, we linger just a little bit. We catch a glimpse of what heaven is. There's a song, there's a phrase, there's a prayer, but heaven melts on our hearts and we feel the presence of God Almighty. And it's important for us to, to do our part and maintain that. God's community comes back together to worship, red, yellow, black, white, and we see a glimpse of heaven. A knee bends, a will submits, a hard heart breaks, and pride begins to crumble. And then we can say, but God 
is the strength of my heart. No retreat, no surrender. The psalmist says, Whom have I in heaven but you, Lord? And the earth has nothing that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. A warrior falls down and a warrior gets back up. A warrior maiden falls down, a warrior maiden gets back up. We can fight. We can win. We can stay the course. No retreat, no surrender. A heart is stirred, strengthened, empowered. Resurrection to the mission. Song is written, a melody sung, a chorus lifts our voices to heaven, and there's nothing that can stop us now. We are coming back together. And although we have been through hell, we have been through difficult times. I'm not saying that to be swear and be cool. Um, some of you have been through it this past six weeks, 12 weeks, eight, uh, 14 weeks. I know you have. I know you have. And I hurt for you. And I pray, I've been praying for you. Seriously. I got nothing else to do sitting at home twiddling my thumbs. Okay? I can't come see you, but I'm praying for you. And I have been. And it feels difficult. And the enemy has been attacking us and dragging us through the mud. But I want you to know that there is a wealth in God's eternity that we dare not turn from. No retreat. No surrender. We're busting out of class. That's this world, this humanity. It is not worth hanging on to. No retreat. No surrender. We're not going to sit down and be quiet because we're going to be the ones calling people to come together, calling people to reconciliation, calling people to love, calling people to be the difference. Don't, don't write something. Don't stand up and yell something. Go live something. Go live it. Go have lunch. Go have community. Go have fellowship. But recognize the kingdom of God is not going to quit. Does chasing after Jesus feel a little futile to you today? Do you come in here feeling, God, what's it for? It's not working. It's not getting me what I want, because that's what the psalmist was saying. Look at the sinners and the heathen and the arrogant people over there. That's awful that they should get that. And I've been pure in heart. I've been there. Uh-oh. That's what the Lord says. Uh-oh. Here comes one again. That's just God speaking through little children. Uh-oh. That's exactly right. Are you feeling jealous and overwhelmed by the place that God has given you in this world right now? Are you getting bitter because the sinners are winning? And you feel like you're losing and you wonder, where is God now? I want you to know that the Lord is right here. I believe that there's no place that I can go to hide from God, neither the, no heights, no depths. If I go to the top of the mountain, the Lord is there. If I go to the deepest depths of the ocean, the Lord is there as well. And so I can trust that the Lord will never leave me and never forsake me. I may not always understand what's going on, and I may be suffering brain freeze. I may be. But I promise you he's going to take care of that too. If we'll just trust him. It doesn't mean look for the things that the rich people have. It simply means what does it mean for you to take him by the hand and walk with him. In your work, in your relationships, in your job, whatever it might be. What does it mean for you to do that without expectation? We join God's mission. God doesn't join ours. That's why we say, have you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? Because that's what it's about. We're separated from God at birth, not because of what we've done, but at birth. 
And God himself is calling us back through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's our only cry when we get to heaven. Not my works. I'm, I'm not held out because of my sin, and I'm not coming in because of my goodness. I have been set free by the blood of Jesus Christ, and when I look God in the eye, I get to say, Dad. That's what you get to say, too. Don't give up. It's worth it. No retreat, no surrender. Normally, I would invite you up here to be prayed over. You notice that there's no people up here. It's not because we forgot, okay? I believe in prayer. It's because when you go out that door right there, you will see a table that says prayer. There is somebody standing behind that table, and if you would like prayer, just walk right up to that table. It's pre-designed to socially distance you. You can't be there. They're not going to reach out and touch you and pray for you like we normally do, but it's okay. They're still going to pray for you. It's still real. It's still powerful. It still changes people's lives. We're going to pray right now, and if you want prayer for anything, they're waiting for you at that table. Let's come before the Lord. Holy Spirit, who is God Almighty, we come before you right now. We bow our heads and we recognize this and we thank you. You are the Lord and you love us. We just invite you as we sing this last song, God. We invite you to hear us say we need you. Forgive us for our sins, God. We receive that forgiveness right now in this place, right this moment. Restore us, Lord, to the joy of our salvation. We thank you in Jesus' blessed and holy name. Let me just say to those of you on the other side of that camera that you can go to vineyardrichmond.com and that there is a place down in the lower right-hand corner and it says chat. And you can click that chat and there is somebody actually there that would love to pray for you as well. We're going to continue to maintain that as a part of who we are as we continue to live stream. But thanks for joining us. It's been a good time. Jesus wants to touch your life because he loves you. He's not mad at you. Don't forget that no matter what you're going through. God bless you.